The Ringers Nora Princiati and Nathan Hubbard are on a journey breaking down every single Taylor Swift album. For all you Swifties out there, this is the podcast for you. From her most famous moments to her most obscure references, every single album, Taylor Swift has it all. Check it out on the Ringer Dish feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to Jam Session. We may as well rename this podcast the Adele the Adele Watch or something. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. You know what? We have passions. Specifically, usually at Littman have passions. Also, you're so supportive Ad- of them. I really appreciate it. Also, like, I mean, what are we gonna do? Adele is one of like three people that is still popular to a plurality of humans walking on the planet Earth, and she released a big album. She's been doing all of this promo for it. I mean, here we are. We just, we got to speak to the moment. If the moment is Adele, who you love. And we shall. We also are going to talk about the Keanu Reeves profile, making the rounds from Esquire. Who doesn't love Keanu Reeves at this point? Um, I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts on Keanu Reeves. We've never really discussed him, Amanda. Okay. Uh, Spoiler alert. I love Keanu Reeves. I don't want to like attention (laughs) even for a minute going out there and people being like, who is this monster who doesn't like Keanu Reeves? Anyway. Um, and we're going to do a, a benefit check-in and then just some sundry celebrity notes that we've got. But let's start with Adele. Um, How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Um, to be loved is just unbelievably good. It is just so beautiful and so touching, so moving. Um, it's all of the things. It's excellent. I don't like the voice memos. I don't like the direct address to her son. But I don't care. There's so many other like okay. soaring highs that we can we can overlook those lows. And you know, the sort of like voicemail, voice memo, sort of that's like a tale as old as time. Like there's just that's been happening on albums for so long. I don't blame her for trying it. I, I'm not a fan of it, but I choose to ignore that and just focus on like some of the really awesome bangers. Um, it's a great record. What do you think? I agree wholeheartedly on the voicemails and you set me up for something I want to talk about. I mean, listen, Adele is a singular talent. The voice is amazing. I think like the song writing, uh, like musically is pretty interesting on this album and she's Mm -hmm. trying some new things. And I think is, and those things are working, especially when she like veers away from the traditional Adele standard, like torch, you know, song let me just sing to you let me just sing to you about my pain for a while um so it's cool to see her try that and it's cool to see it sonically come together because Adele uh released this as an album and I believe she worked with Spotify in order to remove the shuffle from the option from listening to the album I just want to note I think this is mis misreported Mm -hmm. and um I believe that it's removed as the default option. I think you can still do it, but it's A, harder to find, and B, clearly discouraged. And yes, so pretty pretty cool. Shout out to our company. Great. Be artist friendly. Love it. That's cool. And so I was like, great. You want me to listen to this as an album? I'll listen to it as an album. And I, as a result, spent a lot of time thinking about what happens when the therapy happens before the art, Um, (laughs) which is uh, in a lot of ways a great thing, right? And we talk about this a lot on this podcast. And I think you got to say net win for humanity that people are having more access to therapy and thinking more about themselves and their feelings and learning coping mechanisms and learning language to discuss how they feel, how they want to feel, 
um, and and what to do in order to enact that. Like that's great. That's that's positive. We endorse it. Therapy's been a big help to me. Love it. Me too. Uh, it it does become repetitive in an artistic context when you're on the eighth six minute song that is uh, using the distanced sounds unfair, but the the kind of um, take a step back language of therapy, if you will. Yeah, sure. And it did add up for me on this album. I'll just say that. <laughs> what do you mean it added up for you? I like, don't know. At some point, she's just like slow jazzing the word complacency over and over mm-hmm. again. And I was like, ma'am, like what's happening? I like, and it don't accept complacency in your relationships. Everyone. I think that this is what I'm saying. It's like, great for humanity and maybe sometimes a little bit dull for art when people have already um, worked through what they need to work through and have a real sense of themselves and then are making, writing the song or, you know, making the movie or whatever. And I mean, it, it used to be that this, not, not, it used to be, and sometimes it still is. And I think to be loved is an example of you're like really getting to the emotion of a song. I think easy on me is also like, I really love it. I know that you were kind of lukewarm on it. Or right? made lukewarm, lukewarm, but there's a sense of like specificity to it. Even though Adele has never really been like a, a like a, a Taylor Swift style confessional. Let me litter th- these songs with like, clues about who this is about or, you know, like it's not totally diaristic in her writing style, but, you know, easy on me. Like I was still a child. I didn't have the chance to, there's like enough situation situating you where you can access where she is in a moment in time or Mm -hmm. where she was in a moment in time. Um, you can get to the feeling rather than the, the, the processed, um, version of the experience, you know, and someone like you is like, uh, I, you know, I heard that you settled down, that you're married now, like that instantly takes you to a situation and a place and it's very effective. And I think sometimes the ones that are more, um, aphoristic in nature don't connect with me quite as much. That's also, again, it's like the fifth one. You're like, Oh, okay, cool. Cool. I think there's, I think there's two kinds of songs on the album. One is the one, one is the kind of song that sort of relishes in perceived failures or so-called failures. And I think that's to be loved. Um, I think that's easy on me. I think that's hold on. I think that's someone like you. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a sort of like fuck you songs that are a little bit more divorce album. Like, and it's not really a fuck you because it's definitely more nuanced and delicate than that, but it's more, it's more of like a, I'm doing me. Yeah. And that's like, I drink wine and, um, can I get it? And, uh, I think even strangers by nature, like, I think those are the the sort of the two frequencies that she's um, operating between on this album. And I definitely connect more with the like failure songs of like, let's acknowledge it and address it and then try to move on. Right. It's like, that's like to speak like in the therapy prism, it's like, you know, exposure therapy, exposure to your failures, and then you can Mm -hmm. conquer them. Right. Let it be known that I tried to be loved. Um, And I love those songs. I like just find them so searing and beautiful and moving. And I find the other ones interesting, but I don't like love them. And uh, Callie and I were discussing this on Bachelor Party very briefly. And she was saying, can I get it is like her favorite song. And I don't love Can I Get It, but I didn't even need to look at the credits to know that that was the Max Martin song. Sure. Yeah. Um, it has like the really poppy hook. It is it, it it's like more conventional in a certain way. I also I also quite like it, but I don't for Adele, I, I don't like connect with it in the same way. It's really interesting when Max Martin finally works with people like uh, every all three of these women went through this. He find like after several albums he worked with Taylor Swift, after several albums he worked with Lady Gaga, after several albums he worked with Adele. And then you can spot his tunes because his production is so um is so, you know, it's like it's like a proprietary formula. And so it's very funny to like see the kind of like radio pop introduced to those women's um catalog because it stands out because they came up in a different way than like say a Britney Spears and Ariana Grande, et cetera. Um, and so I, I think that like the production choices reflect a lot about, you know, what she's trying to convey with each song. I have to say, I've always been a Tobias Jesso Jr. fan. 
I followed him on Instagram for a while, but then it like became too personal. So I was like, I think I'm going to, I'm going to unfollow. <laughs> it was like, it was like too much about like his marriage. And I was like, that not okay. like in a bad way, but I was like, this isn't for me. And I'm going to respect that. So right. I unfollowed him. <laughs> um, and when we were young, he co-wrote the Dell and he co-wrote and produced, um, to be loved. And I feel like Tobias Gesso is about to enter his Ryan Tedder phase based on the strength of that song. Um, and it's just like really, really amazing. I, I would like, I, I feel like he must have a halo inside of him somewhere that he'll give to another singer as well. And I feel like he's like going to live on in infamy from a few tunes like this. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And listen, you can't have, I mean, you could, but it would diminish the power of a to be loved or a someone like you, if you had an entire album, of absolutely someone like you and to be loved and, and, they they are kind of the moments when like everything stops and you run in from the other room to hear Adele let loose emotionally, musically, vocally. So I think, I, I mean, they're, they're extraordinary. I, I think it was just very interesting to me to listen to it as an album, which is not how I experienced the other Adele albums. It's interesting. I am a major album person. I always listen start to finish and never skip. I don't go shuffle. Like it was funny to me that she asked for the shuffle to be removed. Not funny, but like I would never consider doing that. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you delivered this as an album. I'm going to listen to it the way that you intended. It's like reading a novel. I do that for many, some artists, many artists. I mean, also like I'm just an impatient person. I mean, that's another thing is like, I'll tell you, I saw the eight to six minute song show up on this album and I was like, oh, okay, well, here we go again. Um, and that's more about Amanda's time limits than that is about anyone's like artistic choices. But I, I just think because the way that I learned about Adele, you know, rolling in the deep was such a massive like hit. Hello, such a massive hit. I, I was kind of interfacing with her in like the old school the radio single way that was so central to her career for the the first half of it. That's like what made Adele. And then you go back and you listen through all of them. But it was a different experience to be like, oh, okay, it's like Friday morning, 30s out. I got to sit down. I got to listen to the album front to back. That's not how I've interacted with her as an artist before. And so it, I, I think it just does change how you pro, like it receive, the con, receive the music. Yeah, um, it definitely is. You know, this word's really overwrought and tried at this point, but it definitely is like a journey with Adele through like the kind of the processing of emotion. So, which is impressive. It's hard to do that in a way that's not super cheesy. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say that would be a way to describe this album. No, I don't think it's cheesy at all. I think it's certainly intense and you're right that it is on the journey. And I'm also, by the way, when I'm, I'm not saying I'm right that people need to keep all their feelings bottled up, write music and then deal with them or use like that. Like that's, I'm not saying that my reaction is good. It was just interesting to be thinking about that as, and I think probably the Oprah interview, which you and I both found to be like kind of two people speaking at each other in a, Mm -hmm. in a, um, there wasn't a lot of discourse, a language that dialogue. Yeah, like a mutually shared language of like healing, which like again is great, but it wasn't um it was a little boring basically. Mm-hmm. So I think that was also still in my head as I was listening to it uh-huh. as well. And and then I was also thinking a little bit about what Adele was choosing to say on this album and what it means to make both a divorce album an album titled 30, which is, you know, a slightly more fraught language uh, age socially than 19 or 21 or 25, you know, and, and what choices she was making and how she was choosing to model that phase of her life, which I think is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, agreed. But then I just kept focus, you know, I think I must just, must just have a short intention span, honestly. <laughs> I think well, that's what it's it very is. Very honest. Very honest. I appreciate it. But she's so um, talented, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's like quibbling. That's what stood out to me, but it's quibbling. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. I don't think it's perfect, but who cares? It's great. I, I don't know. There's like a couple of songs that are just so, so, so beautiful. I'll, I'll carry with me forever. So it's great. Also, um, some great tidbits coming out about her various uh, press appearances. One is a reporter from Australia flew, I believe, to the UK to interview her. And it came out that he hadn't listened to her album. 
Oh, and boy. so she's she got up and she left the interview, which I think is incredible. I respect yeah, it. That's fucked course. up. It's yes. like super. It's like that's what she's doing. Um, she did a special for the UK that I'm sure will be available illegally here in the US that featured Mel B asking some question from the crowd. It was like a pre-planned, like, oh, Mel B is an asked question. Um, and it got edited out because it was about a vibrator. Um, so that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> and then she performed Easy on Me for the NRJ Awards. She looked incredible, just her stylist and her makeup artist are incredibly talented. They mix up her looks while maintaining a general aesthetic of like sort of like classic looks and just really amazing makeup. She's just like incredible makeup always has. Um, and it's just been a delight. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I still feel that we haven't like learned much more about Adele. Like I feel like the most you can learn about her is through the music and I'm a okay with that. I, I like the deep stuff coming through her music and the silly stuff coming from her performances. Like she clearly just wants to have a good time. Um, so I've been enjoying that and it's great. Adele's back. I, I mean, well, that's a treasure. What I, that's what I'm going to ask you. How much longer do you think we have of this? Because um, she's done her UK performance. I, you know, she'll pop up a few places, but like how long is she going to be on the promo tour before she's like, okay, thank you. And goodbye. Um, well, I guess it depends when she starts touring again and she probably won't start touring again until she can get full arenas. Although I guess you can now. Um, I think we probably have a few more weeks and then I bet she starts going on tour in like mid winter, March or so after the Grammys. Didn't she announce a couple of like Hyde Park shows? Yeah. She's next doing some summer, stuff in England. Yeah. Which are like all outdoors. So maybe mm-hmm. next summer. Yeah, and other stuff around. Yeah, I mean, stadium tour would also make sense for her. So, um, I don't know. I'm excited. I feel like the bookings must be really tight because between Adele, Taylor Swift, and Ed Sheeran, mm-hmm. um, and Harry Styles, there's like a lot of really big pop acts that have been waiting to get on the road, and all of those people like can command really big venues. So they must be in high demand, and that doesn't even account for like you know anyone outside of pop music, like rappers and country right. music and whatever. So. I don't know, but I feel like it's about to be boom times for um, the performing performing arts. Not that we'll, we'll be participating, but Harry good luck Styles to everyone. seems to be thriving now. I just want to say, like his on Instagram Explore, you know, the Harry Styles clips just pop up in my Instagram feed, and I'm not I'm not really familiar with any of the songs that he has been performing. That's not what I'm seeing, but all of like the entourage stuff where he's interacting with the crowd and the signs seems like they're having a great time. He really does. And also seems like Harry Styles' mom and Olivia Wilde's kids seem to be having a good relationship. They're just like, everyone's just getting along. That's great. It's what we want. It is. I, I totally agree. Happy happy for everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, Adele. It's great. If you want more Adele, check out every single album. Nathan and Nora are going through her catalog. They started with 30, then they're going back to 19, 21, 25, and then back to the present. Um, they go deep. So check it out. It's great. It's great to have a new Adele music. It's just really quite beautiful also i feel nathan and Nora kind of touched on this i feel quite confident none of these songs are about rich paul like they all predate him mm-hmm. um so that's just a relief for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do they do all seem from i mean she's 33 now right yeah so and these were written the album's called 30 and obviously covid played a big part in it in was the ready a year ago yeah, yeah exactly so there is again that that kind of space um which I, I agree. And now, yeah. and now she's thriving and we don't have yeah. to listen to, to songs about I'm agents. happy for her. Yeah. I really am. So great stuff. Um, shall we move on? Yes. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. 
Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Keanu Reeves, big Esquire profile in support of Matrix 4, Matrix Mm -hmm. Resurrections. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I just ask you, what's your relationship to the Matrix movies? I know that you'll be having to see Matrix Matrix Resurrections for your podcast. Wouldn't take you for a Matrix fan, but but they they were so popular when we were in high school. I'm curious. No, the first one is like hugely important, right? It came out I 1999. So I was just starting high school and, you know, I'll take listeners back to a time where we basically didn't know what the internet was, or if we did, it was like something that presidential candidates were claiming that they invented and maybe you shout out Al Gore. Yeah. And like, you maybe like went, had like prodigy or AOL chat rooms and, and that was kind of it. And we had never visually seen anything like the matrix, the movie and the, the kind of like now ubiquitous, like you can conjure up in your mind. I imagine like Keanu and one of the, like the long coats and the the bending backwards. Bending backwards. I know I'm like doing the, the arms that no one can see right now, but doesn't, doesn't the term red pilling come from the matrix? Yeah. I mean, Neo Neo had to choose a pill or whatever. Yeah. And like all of the, the green numbers, like the zeros and ones, you know, mm-hmm. that is all from the matrix. So it was a generationally important movie. It really was. If I've seen the sequels, I don't remember them, which I am going to have to rectify in the next month. Um, I didn't see one in theaters, but then I was, had a big crush on a boy in high school and one in the summer that that Matrix 2 came out. We were going to see it together. So first we watched Matrix 1 mm-hmm. in my bedroom, like one one night in July. And it was a very, very memorable <laughs> night in July for teenage Juliet. One and- night in July. I mean, all right. I'm just going to fast forward. Through. I'm, I'm not going to try to parse, parse everything that you just said, but that's great. I'm thrilled for you guys. And then it was like really rainy when I saw The Matrix 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, the, so like I just associate The Matrix with like, teenage longing essentially which is like definitely not the message of the matrix (laughs) (laughs) um but i do like really enjoy matrix culture matrix culture is like to me kind of like the better version of marvel culture of like people who just like fucking love these movies and read so much into them there's probably less to be read into them than the marvel stuff but like it's sort of the beginning of a type of nerd culture at least as, as i was aware of it it kind of like it's like for the kids who were really into um, what were the, the Redwall books and then like and then right. the Tolkien stuff, like yeah. they graduated into the Matrix. And like I think of all of those together as kind of like proto nerd culture um, back when it was more varied and inventive. Can you tell me how you are interacting with Matrix culture? Um, well, for me, the major I, I'm like I'm a David Mitchell super fan. The the author of um, yes. Cloud Atlas, Bone Clocks, Utopia Avenue, Black Swan Green, s- several others. Um, 
And I think that I have to see the Matrix Resurrection. I don't know if it's called the Matrix Resurrections or what, but I think I need to see it because he is a co-writer along with Alexander Hemon, whose books I've also read and enjoyed, and Lana Wachowski, one of the original creators and directors. So, And then they famously collaborated on Cloud Atlas, which is an incredibly maligned bad film that Tom Hanks recently cited as <laughs> one Tom of his Hanks top loves. three yeah. uh uh, work experiences on the Bill Simmons podcast. That was fucking shocking. Honestly, shocking. Um, well, that was cool. I mean, he Bill asked him to name his top three movies from his own filmography. And Tom and, Hanks... And Tom's like, I'm going to answer based on my experiences making them. Yeah, and he knew it instantly and he had great reasons for all of them. And, and, and the Cloud Atlas one was basically, he said, this was a creative swing. It was a bunch yeah. of people that I really loved working with and we just like really tried something and went for it. And it was like very invigorating. And I... You know, I I personally didn't experience like the creative results of Cloud Atlas, but that's okay. Did you read the book? No, I didn't. This this comes up like every three or four months, and I feel so bad because you love David Mitchell so much, and then the other person in my life who absolutely adores David Mitchell is my father, and sends me David Mitchell books, and I like two people who I love loving this novelist, and I just have never. I think I've read one, and I can't remember it. I the just, gate the gateway for you is Black Swan Green. I'm telling you. Okay. I think my dad did actually send me a copy of that recently. So someday I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read it. It's not highfalutin. It's not complicated. It's so charming. It's so warm. It's also so damp. It's like the rural England coming of age Mm -hmm. story. It's like I would read Black Swan Green and Skippy Dies like back to back. If if you haven't read either of those. Have you ever read Skippy Dies? No. Oh, Amanda. I can't remember which one I read. I read one of the more like heavy magical realism ones. Uh, Skippy Dies is by Paul Murray. Oh, okay. you probably read The Bone Clocks, I bet. Or yeah. maybe, maybe Jacob it. No, I think it was Bone Clocks. I don't like Bone Clocks, though. People like that one a lot. That one's okay. very heavy on magical realism. I like his less magical stuff. Anyway, I like all of it. But um, so that's how I'm interacting with The Matrix. I just I, I asked about it because I just like I want to make it clear to listeners that you're not like on the Internet, like no. in The Matrix forums. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. But OK, but like. <laughs> Juliet, there is like a history of like matrix culture, including like red pilling and like and other issues that has been like pretty no. negative for society at large. So that's not what you're interested. No. no, I'm <laughs> I'm like interested in like the fan the fan love of these like early sci-fi movies. And really, I, to your point, and sort of like defined a genre of filmmaking and right. also um became so wide, such like shorthand in so many different ways. Um yeah. and it's not the Wachowskis or, or Keanu Reeves fault that red pilling has been co-opted on the internet. Um, that's not, wasn't their intention. Um, but there's just been this Keanu Reeves revival over the last few years. And it's obviously in large part because of John wick, which are some fun movies that I do enjoy though. They're so silly. Uh, I like an action movie, like just like everyone else. Um, but Keanu Reeves also like got some great rom-com hits, like just some really important rom-com moments. Like there's something for everyone with Keanu Reeves. And also he's been um, fairly vocal about his Asian heritage in the face of um, anti-Asian violence. And I just feel like there's, he's just like so wonderful. And this profile in Esquire really caps that off. And it's just like, who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? And that is the premise of the profile. And it's basically centered around an interview um, that Ryan D'Agostino uh, does with Keanu Reeves in Paris, good for them, uh, specifically at the bistro um, where some of the climactic scenes of Something's Gotta Give, the Nancy Myers classic, are filmed. And they seem to have like a nice lunch. And then it's kind of populated, built around that, or a bunch of stories of other people just talking about how awesome Keanu Reeves is, including his speed co-star, Sandra Bullock, who tells a pretty incredible story from like 20 years ago that has now kind of been making the rounds on the internet. Shall I, shall I share it, Juliet? Or please, would you like yes, to? please. So she's talking about how Keanu is a very thoughtful, lovely person, but also a listener. And you know that Sandra Bullock positions herself as more of the the talkative person and she's like you know sometimes you he doesn't say much back and then you hear from him like a day or two later like here's my response I was listening and here's what I had to say about what you said and so she said sometime in the 90s she'd mentioned 
it wasn't like they were having a conversation, not even really a conversation, but she'd never had champagne and truffles together, which I'll just for the record say I, I have not either. Nor actually, I. so nor do I want to. I don't like truffles. Okay. I was going to say Keanu Reeves, feel free to repeat uh, what <laughs> happened next with me, which is that a couple days later, she's at her home, a friend's over and Keanu shows up with champagne and truffles and was like, I thought you would like to try it. And it's not like this was the center of an argument, you know, a center of a conversation. It was something she'd said offhand. He shows up. Um, they had the champagne and truffles. I think she like paints his nails because she was painting her own nails. And then he goes off on a date with someone else. Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves were not romantically involved. That's not like a slight. That's her just telling the story of like, this is what he does. It's just like a part of his day. And just Keanu showing up, I believe on a motorcycle with champagne and truffles. I'm open to it. That's what I'm saying. Juliet is not because she doesn't like truffles. I am too strong, open too to pungent. It. Okay. I don't have a refined palate. I, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not it at all. We, I'm sure he would replace the can. Is there something you'd like with your champagne instead? Like pizza? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll let him know. And, and I'm sure he'll ruminate on it. And then he can suggest a pairing. Um, it's, it's really delightful. I wouldn't say any major revelations about Keanu, his work ethic or his life are in it. It's just like no. a very pleasant, here's what it's like to be at a bistro in Paris with Keanu and Reeves, with Keanu Reeves, who's a, a gentle and thoughtful soul. Yeah. He seems like aloof in an, in like the unintentional way. Like it's not like some person who decided they're going to be aloof, but it's like, he seems to, the impression I get is he processes things like on his own speed. And so that's mm-hmm. why like a few days later he comes back with to you with champagne and truffles. Um, I thought the biggest revelation from this was that people care enough about the bistro to go there and take photos and eat there because I love something has got to give. It's like mm-hmm. probably my second favorite Nancy Myers movie, obviously behind the holiday. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe it's holiday season again. Also it's already back back on Netflix. It's oh great. My Lord. Um, that's, Mr. Napkin that's Head. an insane opinion, but continue. <laughs> um, anyway, it's definitely one of the greatest kitchens in cinematic history. It's a yeah. great movie. It's Amanda Peet. It's just, you know, it's Diane and Jack, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, it's great. Right. It's great. Um, I have no, and I fucking love Paris. I've had some great times there. I have no interest in going to that bistro. Like, so, I don't know. Like, it's not like a, it's not a landmark to me. May I share some personal anecdotes? Please. Uh, went to Paris for my honeymoon, which, you know, was fantastic. That was a really great time. And I drank a lot of wine on my honeymoon because I was in Paris and it was my honeymoon. And I remember, do. yeah. And I remember one night walking back to the hotel and this was like early in the trip, you know, super jet lagged, jet lagged from California to Europe is really just a whole other Bronco and have again, you know, partook in the partaken in the local delights, uh, of, of wine. And we're walking down a street and there's a a lovely bistro with like a, you know, one of those classic bistro lights and then an absolutely gigantic sign like larger than me. That is a blow up of the New York times review of something. Got it. Something's got to give featuring this beach bistro and it is the bistro in question and they are really marketing that they are the something's got to give bistro. The signs are there. They are like, yes, come see us. And I, I definitely took a lot of photos with me with the sign outside. I didn't go in because I'd already had dinner and you're right that I wouldn't, it wasn't like number one on my list of things to do while in Paris, but I think, you know, especially French dining can be intimidating, especially to a lot of Americans. Hard hard to find your way in. Yeah. Right. And so if that is an entry into feeling a bit more comfortable while having a more traditional dining experience, I guess I understand it. And it sure looks like they were having a great time. And I mean, you know, never forget that that movie involves Diane Keaton going to Paris with Keanu Reeves, who is like an adorable doctor in the Hamptons and then being like, no, I need to uh, wind up with Jack Nicholson instead, which is the internal logic of the movie. And it's important, but it's hard not to watch that movie and be like, maybe I should just stay in Paris with Keanu Reeves. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, absolutely. And and a lot of people are responding to that and being like, maybe I should go recreate that part of the experience. I had a stretch where I was encountering a lot of doctors and I was just like, every time I had a new one thrown my way, I was like, will it be like Keanu Reeves and something's got a gift? <laughs> and never was. Fiction. It's a hell of a drug. Um, it's the internal logic of the movie is interesting. That'd be a fun podcast. The explain the internal logic of every rom-com ever. Um, it would, it would be wacky. Uh, what's your favorite Nancy Myers movie, by the way? So I think something's got to give is the greatest and it's complicated is possibly my favorite. That's the Meryl Streep, uh, Alec Baldwin, Baldwin, Steve Martin, Steve Martin, uh, set in Santa Barbara kitchen renovation, making croissants while high, uh, experience. So I just, I love her garden and I love, if I I had to rank the kitchens recently on the big pick, we got like a Mm. mailbag picture uh, question and that kitchen, the pre-renovated kitchen is actually my favorite kitchen. Yeah. I, you know, you're right that the something's got to give is kind of like the, the classic Nancy Myers perfect kitchen. Mm -hmm. And you can't have like the Nancy Myers experience without something's got to give. That's the height around which, you know, everything else is organized. So that's probably best and favorite. I've got a real soft spot for Father of the Bride. Of course. A real soft spot for Parent Trap. I got a real soft spot for Baby Boom, which she didn't Mm. direct, but she co-wrote with her husband and I think like was very involved in the process of. You and I also do like The Intern. I love The Intern. Great movie. Yeah. Very, very gentle. It's a very gentle, soothing movie. Until the end, which is unspeakably depressing. But, um, and, (laughs) and a fascinating pairing with Baby Boom. If you've never seen either of those and you want to, you want like a very yuppified white woman take on the, like the working woman in movies. Interesting movie pairing. Dare Uh, I say the intern is her most realistic movie. Yeah. It definitely has like the lessons of 40 years of being one of the only female directors in Hollywood and, and navigating some of those issues, which is fascinating. I mean, I, I absolutely love like Nancy Myers movies, but I, it all, it all hinges on something's got to give. I agree. Also, who doesn't want to be hanging around the kitchen island with Diane Keaton, Frances McDormand, and Amanda Peet? I mean, exactly. show, me, show me a better time. I can't exactly. imagine one. And making pancakes. Yeah, it's yeah. just phenomenal. Also, I would love to have Frances, long-haired Frances McDormand as like my sort of with it but wacky aunt. That sounds great. Right. All right. Anyway, Keanu Reeves. I have to say my favorite Keanu Reeves moment of recent memory is when he appeared in Always Be, Always my, be baby. my Baby. An incredible cameo. Yeah. So good. I, I have to say, like, I kind of enjoy cameos more than I enjoy full performances. Like, for example, I feel like a lot of my recent appreciation for, like, say, Matt Damon, which is tricky these days, was hinged on his um, Interstellar uh, uh, cameo, mm-hmm. like, off mm-hmm. the off the heels of The Martian. I was like, oh, he's just, like, in space. Okay. Um, he also had his vice versa. I don't want to. Well, there's no way I can spoil it. He's he's kept up the cameo work recently. Nice. I don't know if you know that. I don't um, know that. Don't tell so me. So I won't tell you, but just, just so you know, if you like watch the films of 2020 and 2021, like Matt Damon is still popping up in cameo roles. I mean, of course, Euro trip. That was his Sure. Finest. Of course. He also Scott. did one in like, in, in the good Thor, Thor Ragnarok, I believe. Oh yeah. I saw that one yeah. whilst drunk. So I don't remember it that well. <laughs> um, big mistake of my earlier years. Um, all right, Keanu Reeves, do your thing. Looking forward to Matrix Resurrections. Oh, by the way, sorry, just a side note. Jeff mm-hmm. Chow, our colleague, and I were recently discussing if you could make the case for Sandra Bullock being the de facto rom-com actress, like the definitive de facto rom-com actress. And it's really hard to compete with the Meg Ryan, Nora Ephron trilogy. I think it's also hard to compete with Julia Roberts. I said that too. And she's also like at the same time, you know? Right. But Sandra Bullock's got a good case. Just want to throw that out there. Also, like, if you only watched the Sandra Bullock pieces of Speed, like, you could construe that as a rom-com. Right. <laughs> I think I, I, it's a little bit like best favorite with the Nancy mm-hmm. Myers thing is that Julia Roberts sort of, that's the mold in the 90s. That's how she became really famous with Pretty Woman. And that's, and then Meg Ryan is kind of there, like, doing her own Nora Ephron thing. So, Sandra Bullock never reaches the heights individually in any one romantic comedy that those two do in those, like her romantic comedies are 
I they're know lesser. that they're, they're slighter. Yeah. And I know I was just like, like, I know how much you love while you were sleeping, which is a completely fucked up movie. That is really two delightful. Don't forget two weeks. Notice. Yeah. I also love two weeks notice, but you know, like Donald Trump's in it. I like speaking of cameos. I don't know what to say. They are, they're lesser in the canon. And so that's not really Sandra Bullock's fault necessarily, but she can be your favorite. Sure. Miss Congeniality, incredibly winning movie. Uh, yeah. A, a, a classic and like a TNT classic for sure. Definitely a rewatchable. Ahem, Bill Simmons. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Next, speaking of rom-coms, I was fucking delighted last week when I saw the trailer for Marry Me, the Owen mm-hmm. Wilson, Jennifer Lopez film. Um, it was supposed to be Army Hammer in that movie, but for the reasons we all know, he was uh, removed from the film. And I'm delighted because I love Owen Wilson, comedic genius. I can't imagine with J-Lo. I can't wait to see what it's like. I'm honestly like just incredible. This is like one of the things I'm most looking forward to in 2022. Um, this led J-Lo to perform a song from the movie at the AMAs this weekend. And not a lot of red carpet hubbub around her and not a lot of photos with her and Mr. Ben Affleck. What's going on there? Yeah, I just, I, I, it's, I don't want to call it planting a flag because I'm not excited about this. You know, I am, I'm, I'm concerned uh, Andy and Chris on the watch have a little concern troll who lives under the bridge and they let out from time to time. And I guess I'm doing that right now, but there haven't been photographs of them in a few weeks and they are not a couple that in this iteration or the last iteration that has shied away from a promotional opportunity. And Jennifer Lopez having a trailer and then singing a song at the AMAs, which is just, that's, that's called promo. That's what you do. That's when you show up to promote something, uh, doing all of this without Ben Affleck, who meanwhile has a supporting role in an upcoming film, the tender bar directed by George Clooney. So these are people who have things to sell and they seem to be selling less. And maybe they kind of felt like the light was too hot. And there was too much exposure and they actually wanted to like take a step back. That was obviously uh, a major issue in the first run of their relationship. And, and if so more power to them, I think that's great. And you got to do things on your own terms, but I just, I'm, you know, I, I really like Benifer and I really like it when they walk red carpets together and look like movie stars. And I just, I hope we get more of that. I'll put it that way. But, we're concerned. Yeah, I just uh yeah, I come back, please. Um I wonder what happens when you just try to like when you pare down all of the the rush of the rekindling mm-hmm. and the you turn off the flashing lights and like you just have to like do it with your adult with your not adult, but with like your, you know, teenage kids, your blended family, your careers. Seems hard. Yeah, and it is true that if they're both in work promotion mode, they probably can't be together at the same time as much. You know, they have obligations other places and this is where celebrity relationships just get very strange and you can like be with someone and only see them like once a month. So, so who can know, but I think it's, I I don't as, as a non-parent and a non-celebrity, I don't know for sure, but it seems like managing, like keeping up with your kids and your relationship if you're both working and like in different places seems really hard. Yeah, absolutely. I wish them the best. Um, not on the rundown, but I wanted to ask you, Mm -hmm. do you have an opinion on Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian? No. Um, speaking of two people who, uh, are very good at promoting themselves and, and, and providing content for things. And I honestly do not say that, in a judgmental way, because I, I like content as previously discussed. Thank you, Benifer. But these are just people who live in public. That's like, that is how they make their money. That's how they've constructed a lot of their lives. And so they're doing this for a while. And if they want to, and they're consenting, like, that's cool. That's, you know, I don't have feelings one way or the other. I'm not really investing in it, but I'm also like, okay, sure. Like that seems like a logical next step in how you tell you know, a story that seems like a great season four plot line or, you know, whatever. Cool. Good Good distraction from other stuff. Yeah. Or just kind of like, you know, why not? And I don't even mean to 
imply that it's like 100% Machiavellian or fake, but it's like, if you like having fun, if you like spending time together and then also it serves your needs in terms of X, Y, and Z with the media, like great. Get yeah. Have fun. Get after it. Sure. And I, and I won't be paying that much attention, but that's okay. Um, yeah, great stuff. Um, I, I feel like Pete Davidson is just must be really fun. I don't think I could ever keep up with him, but I, I just I mean, get the impression he's fun. That's it just, again, a lot of really great coded language from you in this episode. Juliet doesn't want to work blue, but I agree. Juliet <laughs> seems fun. <laughs> I didn't only mean it in that sense. Like, I I'd, know, but I'd I'd love like, ha- come on. I'd love to, I'd love to have an all nighter on bourbon street with Pete Davidson is what okay. I'm saying. Right. All right. So. Keep it legal. Okay. <laughs> moving on. Yeah. That is legal. <laughs> um, moving on. I just want to say that I saw Kieran Culkin out in the wild this week. Incredible. It was thrilling. He was with one of his brothers. I didn't need to look it up because his brother was not Macaulay Culkin, but looked so much like him that I was like, oh, okay. It's a Culkin brother. Okay. It was pretty wild. Um, And also in this one week of returning to life here in New York City, I ran into both Dale Moss and Tyler Cameron from The Bachelorette. It was okay. What a thrill on both accounts. Dale is the one who got dumped by the woman and then they got back together and then they got dumped. Not sure he got dumped, but yes, they broke up, got back together. She also like ended the show early because she or her turn on the show because she only wanted to be with him. He's a very tall, handsome man. Okay. Very nice. Tyler, also very tall, handsome man. Also very nice. I remember who Tyler is. Yeah. Um, I think I showed really great restraint of not posting any photos of Tyler and I on social media. Okay. Did you take them though? Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. Just, Do you like for when me. you're going out in the world? Are you just always taking pictures with people? Only if there are hot people from the bachelorette. Okay. I just, <laughs> I didn't know if that's know. how we were living now. I'm not doing it. I'm not taking any photos. Uh, my photos are just like screenshots of things that I don't want my like sad old brain to forget. But sure. I thought maybe that's what you were doing now. And I think that's exciting for you. Um, I'm just trying to like, just take it all in as we okay. return somewhat to life. So okay. that's some exciting news on my personal life. Um, that's great. I, yeah. That's very exciting. I haven't seen any celebrities. Um, well, I think you're leaving the house less than I am. Yeah, that's true. I just I go see movies. I see movies with celebrities in them. I did see House of Gucci. Can I just say for the people? Delightful. Go see it. It's do you want to have fun? Do you want to like? spice up your life with ridiculous accents and Adam driver in cashmere bathrobes, go see house of Gucci. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It does sound really good. Also, I don't want to discuss the movie cause it won't be productive, sure. but the Andrew Garfield press tour, I'm really enjoying, like really, <laughs> really enjoying. I'm <laughs> loving him being a theater kid. <laughs> I'm loving him like crying on Colbert. I don't know if you watched it, but he gave like a two minute, two and a half minute little monologue about grief because his mother just died and like how he like how I did it, see that and it was really beautiful it I was love, so beautiful I love Andrew Garfield I love Andrew Garfield as well which is why we're not discussing the film tick tick boom so Juliet I do want to say that we talked about it on the big picture and I I cited your insights and you I didn't I didn't just like <laughs> borrow you. them as my own I and I thought that you had like we're very thoughtful about if if you don't know this is a movie that Lin-Manuel Miranda directed that is a, an adaptation of an early Jonathan Larson musical and sort of an yes. unfinished Jonathan Larson musical, right? It's pre-rent yeah. and some someone else kind of finished it after his death. So it, yeah, it was not my bag. As you said, it's not, it was not a productive conversation to talk <laughs> uh, critically about this because, you know, some things you're interested in and some things are not for you. And that's like the way of the world. But, um, I, I'm happy for Andrew Garfield that he seems to be, he loved doing this. It would seem. And it seems like it unlocked another gear for him, which is exciting. If he yeah. has an actor who kind of burned out of being Spider-Man, it must be really exciting to discover another gear. Right. And so though I'm now, happy for him because of like this upcoming Spider-Man movie. He just keeps getting asked about Spider-Man a lot, right. which is it's like, who's who is getting annoying questions more Maggie Gyllenhaal about the scarf or Andrew Garfield about Spider-Man. It's definitely Andrew Garfield. About I think Spider-Man. it's Andrew Garfield. Yeah. It's, no, definitely. it's like a thousand percent. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm happy for him. It's, it's a great time for press tours. It's a, he's like a really good celebrity. I, I like kind of forgot how much I loved him. I haven't 
really seen most of his work. I didn't see his Spider-Man's like, so I don't think I've seen an Andrew Garfield movie since the social network. So like for me, he's two for two. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's great. Like what else are his big movies that I didn't see? Oh, I guess he did that weird, like art movie with, um, Dave Egger or whatever. Oh no. Are you talking oh, about Edgar the Silver Lake? Yeah. No, yeah. but the other one, like the Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson movie. I confused yeah, him. Yeah. That's the lighthouse. Um, you know, he did Silence with Warren Scorsese. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, he's he's done a lot of things. I'm happy for him. I'm also just thinking about, like, your pull quote on, like, an Andrew Garfield, like, uh, for your consideration ad, which is just like... Two for two. He's two for two for me. <laughs> Juliette Littman. Incredible. Mark! <laughs> it's a great time for content, honestly. It's a real boom. I'm loving it. Also, Amanda... It's probably not your bag, but yeah. I'm just loving yellow jackets too. And I've been thinking about Christina Ricci a lot and her revival. Bill Simmons, our our boss and friend, uh, said the same to me as well. And I'm going to check it out. I just haven't had gotten to it yet because I Love had it. to watch the worst show ever made, which was the end of the morning show. Well, I'm not watching that. Okay. But. Well, it's over now and hopefully we'll never be started again. Yellow jackets, I stayed up late to watch. Like I was, I had screeners, so I was able to watch six of them and I tour through them like I just like wow this is great I love a plane crash show so okay there you go there you go well everybody we hope you have a great Thanksgiving thank you so much for listening thank you Erica Cervantes for producing this episode and thanks to Kuyana Reeves for being a great guy yeah happy Thanksgiving This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.